At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome back, friends, to another episode of Infertility and Me Podcast. I'm your host, Monique Farouk, women's health advocate, mom to one, IVF miracle, and entrepreneur. And if you're if it's your first time here today, welcome, welcome, welcome. I um, am sad that we met this way, but happy that you're here getting the support that you need. And so I appreciate you, friends, for joining us for another episode. Today, we have our guest, Jacqueline Vasquez. Thank you, my dear, for coming on the show and giving us your time today and sharing with us your time through infertility and what that looked like for you and your family. Thank you for having me here. And I am excited, even though <laughs> the conversation is not something to be excited about, but right. just excited to share and in hopes that, you know, it comforts someone. And it definitely will. It definitely will and does. And the beautiful thing about all of these platforms is that it's there. As long as I don't mess with it, it'll remain there and somebody can see it five years from now, a year from now and get the help and support that they need and validation that they need for what they're going through. So I don't take it for granted when you guys give me your time and I don't like to waste your time and we're here to help others and get it done. And so Jacqueline, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and who you were? before the craziness of infertility? Yeah, well, so I am currently, I'm an event planner and speaker and author, educator, mentor, a list of a few things. <laughs> a woman of many and, yes. <clears throat> yes, and now a woman's wellness advocate. So what, who I was before, it's interesting that you asked that because you mentioned in one of your earlier episodes that you were mm -hmm. an ambivert. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I just recently found out that I am now that. And when I realized and I found out my diagnosis, before that, I was kind of a shy introvert with a little bit of spice, but in between. Mm -hmm. and, and I wasn't sure where I was at that time. But I was confident enough to feel that I was doing a lot of great things. And, you know, I belong to the church and I was in transition with my business. I was actually an accountant and mm -hmm. that was my trade. And I was doing that. Plus, I was discovering my new passion job career. Right. So I was discovering who I was as an event planner. So I wasn't quite sure yet that that was going to be my new career, my passion career. So that's where I was mm -hmm. at that time. So there was a lot of transition. I had at 28, I had gotten married and, you know, coming from a Latin culture, it was like, okay, you get married, you have kids. Yes. So all yeah. of that mix is where I was before. Yeah, and the pressure, right? <laughs> the pressure of it the all. The questions, the pressure, all of that. 
Yeah, yeah. How did you and your spouse meet? We actually met at work. And, you know, my spouse at that time, we met at work and we just started dating and everything. And, you know, he came from not a large family. I'm an only child. So even though my father has other siblings that I have, but for me, I was an, I grew up as an only child and my husband at that time, he was one of three and he was the middle child and his older brother had already child. And so, you know, we're not thinking anything that there is nothing crazy that's going to happen that will prevent us from having children because that was never a conversation when we were growing up. Did you guys wait a while before you started trying? I know a lot of time. No, no, it was, we just lived life and started immediately and wasn't even thinking it was just living life naturally and whatever Mm -hmm. was naturally what was in our head whatever naturally quote unquote was supposed to happen that it would happen and we were ready and so a year passed and I was going to annual GYN doctor visits and after the year it was like okay People are asking a lot of questions. When, when, when? And then that's when, after a year, was when I was starting to ask the questions to my GYN doctor as to, okay, something's not working out here. Like, we need some guidance. And when I think about it now, I'm like, well, why don't you learn from or hear anything about this type of conversation from a GYN doctor? at an earlier stage, when you first start going to a GYN doctor. Mind you, I know that there's conversations either in the family that could happen, that didn't happen, but there was no conversation on a medical end as well. You know, the possibilities. And that is one thing that I am advocating for, having the conversation sooner than later because Mm -hmm. of the emotional strain that comes with it. And once we started finding out what the perspective looked like, and I heard the words, the the letters FSH is low. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? What is that? You know, like, well, that means that you are infertile, but Mm -hmm. there are some options. And so it was a lot to take in. Like, I was totally confused for months, totally confused. I'm like, well, why can't all my other cousins have kids? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. It, That's it exactly how I feel. Yeah. And it's so funny because when they, when, and this is no shade to any doctor, truly it isn't. And it's so funny that when they say those things, like you have low FS, low FSH, Low AMH, low diminished ovarian reserve and those things. Like Mm. when they say those things, they say them with such certainty as if we know what that is and what it means. I think that is really, really interesting when we are given our diagnosis. When they say it, it's almost like with this certainty that we know what it is or we know what all of that means. You know, exactly. And of course they go on to explain it, but that initial conversation is like, well, what the F doc? 
what did that even be? You yeah. know? Yeah. And, it, yeah. It was so mind boggling that it just, I, it did not sink in until a few years. It took a few years for it to sink in as to what the heck was happening. <laughs> Yeah, but, I and then at that, that point, yeah. I felt like I was just going with the flow as to what the doctors were saying. Yeah, I think a lot of us do that because we trust them. And if they are good dog yeah. and they make us feel comfortable, we feel like, okay, well, we'll just do what the doc says or not yeah. do what the doc tells us not to do and things like that. And sometimes we do that blindly without doing our own research. But I, I do feel like that we are becoming more aware and a lot more doctors are now taking into account these sort of things. And they kind of been forced to because women aren't trying to have kids as early as they used to. Like our mm -hmm. grandmothers and grand great-grandmothers right. in their late teens and early 20s, you know. And my journey started, this was, and I'm aging myself, 30 years ago. And now is when I feel comfortable talking about it. So 30 years ago, and then my journey was for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So it it was mind-boggling that now back then there was none of this there was no social media there was nothing that you can kind of educate yourself so i'm really grateful that you have this platform that i'm creating a platform and that so many other women feel comfortable and people feel comfortable that they're talking about it whereas but i think there's still more conversation that needs to be had yeah a ton more and I feel like that's really powerful. You know, that's a really powerful place for you to be in at this point in your life and all the years that you still felt like you had to silence that aspect of what you guys went through kind of feels like a freedom or a weight is lifted mm, off, right? It does. When you get to that place. Yeah. Yeah. I feel mm -hmm. at this moment in my life, I feel like I'm taking a breath of fresh air. And that I'm owning that journey and that I'm empowering others. And so that's where I'm at. I have goosebumps just now because it's just, mm -hmm. that's where I'm it's at. It's so powerful. But what I have discovered throughout this journey so far is that I realize, I'm realizing what I went through. And just giving myself a pat in my back because I was there. <laughs> it was deep. And I don't know how I survived it other than saying that God just kept me and saved me. Yeah. Yeah. Finding that groundedness in your beliefs. Yeah. 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 That is amazing. And I'm just so glad that you a lot of women don't get the opportunity when they go through mm -hmm. things like this or they go through other traumatic situations, oppressions and things like that. Infertility as a medical condition feels very oppressive. That's amazing. And I'm so glad that you found that 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 voice within yourself to speak in that way with such power and conviction about your story and being sure about who you are, regardless of the medical condition. Mm -hmm. There's so many people suffer in silence, as you know. And so when you get your diagnosis and you and your husband have a conversation of what that looks like from thenceforth, I know you said that you guys kind of just continue to live life the way you always had been. Were there any things that were recommended back then that that we may not know that, 
know about? Like that was different medically, you think? Was there anything? You know what? After when I decided to start my platform and, and open up about the conversation, one thing that I noticed is that the same type there, it might be at an elevated stage right now, but the same type of prescription, Clomet, mm. is still being given. The same type of treatments, it might be for sure at an elevated stage compared mm-hmm. to 30 years ago but i've i've tuned into youtube instagram tiktok and the same type of treatments are still being used mm-hmm. so i went through my treatments with clomed for quite a few years mm-hmm. then we went into the Oh my gosh, I just had it in my head. <laughs> Not IVF. But the IUIs, the entry urine. Mm-hmm. And wow. Mm-hmm. That's, I think when I switched to doing that, that's where it hit me. That's mm-hmm. where the depressive state came from. And mind you that I was holding on to God, holding on to my faith. For sure like every day, but it doesn't make it any less painful. Perful. No, it just, it holds me. It, it held me. Right. And I, I went into the deepest depressive state I have ever been in my life. Mm-hmm. Literally a black hole mm-hmm. that was sinking me in. Every single time I saw that my period would come mm. and it started off with depression in my period would come and I would go shopping that my credit became a mess and I became a deeper mess. And my husband at that time was supportive even though he still, he couldn't understand what right. was going on, mm-hmm. but he was supportive. And I had a community from the church that was there as support. But as you know, if you're going through this and no one else has ever gone through it, that's who's around you. There's a different type of understanding. And mm-hmm. I felt alone amongst all this support. I felt like there was nowhere to go. I was thankful to my mom for her support and for her not pushing me with Mm. questions. And I was able to utilize her as a platform to communicate with family to stop asking. I see. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. as you know, and as many of you know who are going through this journey, those questions add to that pressure. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And add to that depression state that you're in and, and that energy that keeps mm-hmm. pushing you further and further away from the light. And that was my journey for, let's say, from the moment I found out, that was my journey for like five or six years. The first time that you were going into the IUI cycle, being like that, that moment where a new, it almost feels like a new awareness of Mm. other realities of life 
and you spoke about how that was like that moment of realization. Mm-hmm. Did you have other moments like that as things progressed? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And it was almost around that time or right before that realization. So I started off with treatments with the GYN doctor, the regular GYN doctor. Mm-hmm. And there was a point, and of course, the same struggles that's happening now with health insurance mm-hmm. was back then as well. Right. And so at one point there was coverage and at another point there wasn't. Then back, it was like a back and forth. The same scenarios, I think that's still mm-hmm. happening, that you still have to fight for that coverage. And so I went to one of my appointments and the receptionist called me to, you know, in the waiting room, that little window mm-hmm. receptionist on the other side. And she's like, oh, okay, so you have to, before you see the doctor, you have to make this payment of $500. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, well, there's $500 that's not covered. I was like, do you think somebody should have told me this before I came to the appointment? And I said, can I speak to someone? Because this is, I'm really confused right now. Mind you, I'm going through, I'm in this depressive, emotional state. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I feel like, okay, I'm in front of all these people. And I'm talking about something that I'm un- confused again. And so they had me come in, sat down with someone. And she says, you know, something changed with the health insurance and this amount has to be paid. Now, before you see the doctor, I lost it. Mm-hmm. I just cried, cried like there was no tomorrow. And they mm-hmm. were like, oh my gosh, like I said, you don't understand. I'm coming to this appointment with already my heart in my hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm trying to comfort it and hold it. And you just let me drop it. Mm. That's how I felt. Like they just yanked my heart with all the emotions I had. And I I just kept on like speaking, trying to speak and cry. And and then Mm. all of a sudden they gave me water. They had me calm down and like, no, the doctor's going to see you. And then we'll talk later about the finances. Okay. And I was so upset with that. I was emotional, but then I got upset because it was like a lack of empathy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you know what I'm going through, I'm not just, it's not just a regular GYN visit. Right. There was no compassion. There was nothing. And that's where all my emotions was building up at that point. And the doctor saw me and all that. And that was the last time I went there. I decided to look for a specialist and I just felt like it was like, they don't understand. Why should I go back there? And it took me some time before I decided to find a specialist. And again, holding on to my faith and believing, I did find a, an amazing specialist. He was truly, truly like when it comes to compassion, empathy, everything even though I still felt like crap, (laughs) you know, I felt less than a woman, all of that. He just, whenever I would see him, even going to the receptionist, it was just an amazing, peaceful 
journey and moment. And, and even though the treatment was crazy and I was still going into deeper depression, still that moment with him made me feel safe still, even though I was going through all the craziness. So that impact was another, it led me into the realization as to what my journey was. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that we have to deal with that along with whatever the medical condition is that we're trying to treat, cope with, move through in, in all the things. And so when you you stated that you guys went on this five-year path of medicated cycles as well as IUIs. And so did you guys ever try IVF at all? So throughout my journey, I then came across someone who had tried IVF and I was learning about IVF. I was also learning about the other options, adoption, surrogacy, all of that. And I think at that point, that was in my eighth or ninth, entering my ninth year, I was like evaluating whether it was an option or not. At that time, IVF was not an option because I had to pay 100%. And I did not have those funds to make those decisions. And so the second realization was identifying what were our next steps. And after going still going through that depressive state, I came across a friend who had her sister and we were connected. We, we have having conversations. She was going through adoption and I was slightly considering that until I was, you know, blessed with the moment of going with her to, I had been invited to go when she was going to actually receive her baby. I see. And that first invitation was yanked away from her because the other party decided to keep their child. Oh, okay. Yeah. And when I heard that, I was like, I don't think I can do that. Yeah. I already spent almost nine years of my life going through a depressive state that that would definitely kill me. It, mm -hmm. it was, that's where I was. I was mm -hmm. like, I can't do that. I can't. And then the second invitation, they find, they did find somebody for her. Mm -hmm. And I went and I saw how, you know, it was a beautiful joy. It was a beautiful moment. But that first invitation, that first mm -hmm. moment that was yanked away from her, I was like, it's a beautiful experience and all that. And no matter how adoption might be a possibility, I don't think I can go through it mm -hmm. because there were so many variables, variables mm -hmm. that yeah. were coming out. Okay. What if they say no? What if family come out? What if this? What if that? What if all these what ifs were coming around that I was like, you know what? Mm -mm. I know myself and I know the delicate state that I'm in that's going to keep pulling me further, further into a black hole. 
And then what kind of person will I be or mother will I be mm-hmm. if I do have that moment of receiving and having a baby or a child through adoption and not being worthy or not mm-hmm. feeling worthy to give love to that child because I'm in such a depressive state. So mm-hmm. all of this was going on for a whole two years. And then I decided I'm just going to say that's it. There was a moment in my life that I saw a light, a breath of fresh air, and I feel like I was reborn and given another life Mm. and a moment to breathe another life and saying, no more. You need Mm -hmm. to find yourself. You need to take yourself out of that black hole. And motherhood was explained in that whole realization that motherhood is more than having an actual child. So motherhood, the definition of motherhood changed for me at that moment. And so I decided to say, I'm stopping all of this. No more treatment, no more, you know, We're still trying, but no more treatments, no more nothing. I was told maybe through the specialist, maybe six years in, when I was with the specialist, maybe like within two years, a confirmation that was unexplained and my egg count was very, very low. They couldn't retrieve like enough to even try to do IVF. So. I was at that state, unexplained. That was it. You know, I went from finding out about a diagnosis to ending up having no explanation for that diagnosis and Mm -hmm. living this depressive state that I had to find myself. And I am glad that I did because I was at my last, I was at my last end. It was that tragic. It was that traumatic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Understandably so as well. And wow, wow. And it must have been really hard to walk away after so many years of not giving up, right? We say that a lot. Uh, We don't want to give up. And for someone like you who had businesses um, apart from your everyday degree business and or nine to five, I know that was extremely hard to walk away into. It feels like you're giving up, you know, Mm -hmm. and we hate to do it. You know, certain types of people, we hate to give up. We hate to walk away. And would you say it kind of felt like a a grief of sorts when you made the decision? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I definitely, it was a grieving moment for me. So I went from depressive state to grieving that that moment and that lasted a while that just wasn't just a month here or there that grieving state was for a while but i was also rejoicing in finding myself and i want to go back a bit because when i first start when i first got diagnosed okay that was the beginning of my new career finding mm. my And as an event planner, I was planning baby showers. When I say that 
resilience was like <laughs> to just when not I think about it down now, and cry, yeah, in the middle of, so of those events, I, right? Yeah, so I'm out here, like you know, I'm very on point with my business. So I was truly, genuinely happy for the families and all that stuff, and I would produce it to the T with a smile mm. and go home and cry my eyes out. And I've been in the business for 25 years. Right. So I've learned how to manage those emotions. And I don't feel depressed. I don't feel angry. I don't feel hurtful. I don't feel sad when I do events like these. And I do events that are celebrations of life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So how could we be too angry about that, right? How could yeah, we be too angry about that? Just yeah. very joyful. I feel that the position that I was given, the new career, shifted my mindset. Mm. Allowed me to enjoy motherhood from a different perspective. Mm. And that's funny you said that because my next kind of statement was going to be, do you feel like through your business and the industry that you're in that you're still mothering people? You're mm -hmm. mothering others? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I'm mothering people on a global basis now. Right. That, right. It blows my mind. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Like worldwide. It, it, so even though I go speaking, um, speaking engagement and, and, and teaching, educating others, I'm going with a topic and all that. But when they come to me, they're like, oh, thank you for the information. But, oh, my gosh, you just inspired me. You encouraged me. You like all of these things that mm -hmm. you are prepped to give your child. Mm -hmm. I'm giving it to people. Mm -hmm. So it was shifted into a different direction. And it gave me purpose to my life, to my walk, to now creating this platform that I have and it's all now coming together as to a full understanding of why I had to go through that to get to where I am now. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Wow. That's incredible. It's incredible. And you, and I feel like when we're in the midst of all of it, we can't see how things will come together or already coming together. Even in the midst of it all, we don't, we, yeah. we get really blinded by our, our extreme grief for even having to deal with this sort of a medical condition or any medical condition. It's like your situation and many others, people have other conditions. You had the, the mental health conditions to go along with the physical medical conditions. And so that's uh, truly a lot. And we become completely obsessed with those medical conditions, trying to cure, cope and move through them. And when you, you stated <clears throat> offline and earlier in the episode that you went through a portion of this with your first husband. Were you still married to the same spouse at the end of your decision to be child-free? Yes. Yeah, so, and thank you for that question because that's usually a hard question. You know, yeah, when true. I went to, when I had that first, the second realization, and I was in the journey of finding myself. There was just a lot going on within me that a lot of things weren't connecting or making sense. And 
it's not that I was looking out to to leave the relationship. It's just something that just happened. And I don't want to say that it was the stepping stone for me to truly find myself, but it Mm kind of was. Mm -hmm. And he was supportive throughout the entire journey. We were married for a whole 10 years. So it was around that cusp of time frame Mm -hmm. that I was finding myself and trying to ask God, like, what are my next steps? What's happening and all that stuff. It was just something that just came about and, you know, went our separate ways in a good way Um, but I had to I felt this urge that I needed to move in a different direction and so yeah for 10 years that was that episode I call them episodes of my life right journey and then my life came full circle when I found my next husband Mm -hmm. and we knew each other forever. Wow. We grew up in the same building. And he already had a child, a son that was old enough. And we didn't plan on anything. We were friends. And the world just, I feel like the world went full circle. Mm-hmm. And we just connected. And he accepted me knowing that I could not have children. And he's like, no, I'm your child. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that, they, that they are in many ways. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so we've been married for 15 years now. And it's been, there's not one day that we don't laugh. There's not one day that I feel like I'm less than a woman because I don't have a child. There's a purpose for our journey. And it's full of love and care and compassion and just a true essence of life. And so we're living this journey together and Mm -hmm. it's just been amazing. That sounds like some true love to me, especially when you talk about empathy and compassion, because I feel like that's one of the key components when you tell somebody that you love them. And so that's incredible. And I'm so glad that things, whether you were married or not, again, things in your life have come together and you've been able to overcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just to overcome. For sure. For Did sure. You, and yeah. what, what I wanted to say was that I love that he is a part of this journey, this new journey, I call it my next episode, mm-hmm. where even though he was a, a part of the initial journey of what I went through, he's embracing that I'm sh- talking about it and that I'm mm. sharing and that, you know, that means a lot. And yeah. I'm very, very thankful of him for that and for giving me the space because he knows that he knows the purpose, he knows the journey and is to, and hopefully give comfort and save a life of somebody else. Absolutely. That's beautiful. And I love that you said giving space because too often we do go into relationships blindly in some ways emotionally and we find ourselves with people who don't give us the space to be who we are. And um, that is, that's incredible and it's beautiful. And I'm so glad that you found someone like that 
that you get to do life with, that you get to walk with and talk with every day. And did you ever see ther- get therapy for your mental I'm health? I'm glad you asked Yeah. That. I'm glad you asked. So when I was in that second realization, I said, you know what, let me, there wasn't like really a push for me to get therapy. Mm-hmm. And then coming from a Latin culture, it's like, that's not something we, we do. Yep. <laughs> you know, I'm sure like different cultures, they, they like frown upon therapy. And it's like, no, we all talk as a family, but then this is a conversation families don't want to talk about. <laughs> so, right. so it's, it's so like it, contradictory, right? It's so contradictory. So I just decided, I was like, let me just see if there's someone. And I looked up and found somebody. It was my first and last time because it was like, I didn't feel welcomed that Mm. my emotions were welcome, that it was just weird. (laughs) And I said, no, I I can't do this. And that's when Mm. that whole second piece of me realizing and trying to understand, put pieces together and trying to live because I was at the state of a question mark, a 50-50 mm-hmm. with life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel that my faith was the ultimate survival piece for me. Mm-hmm. Do I recommend therapy? Yes. But finding you know, through support, through platforms like this, through platforms, so many platforms now that you can find the right support. Whether it's therapy, whether it's platforms like these, whether it's anything, counselor, et cetera. Like right now I'm connecting with resources so that I can have that available. Mm -hmm. So I feel that right now it's completely different than 30 years ago. Yeah, we have so many more tools oh, yeah. readily available in so many different kinds with different niches and faith-based and non-faith-based, so many different um, yeah. resources. But then again, it also feels like it's not that many too, because a lot of people started yeah. looking for niche therapists who have experience with infertility. And so that's a whole other sub-niche of the niche. So it's like, we have a lot of resources, but then we don't. But that's why yeah. it's important for people like you and myself to connect with one another because we yeah. can bounce off the things that we may not know about together and have it readily available for others or at least be aware of it. And that's really, really important. And so if you had a sort of a word or in a, a word of encouragement for someone in the community who is at the beginning stages of all this, in the middle or maybe considering other options and maybe living child-free, what would that be for them today? So living, deciding to, the first thing is deciding to live child-free takes a while to get to that point. You have to look at all of the options and see what's best for you. So if whoever's in their early stage of being diagnosed, trying to deal with this new surprise if it wasn't discovered earlier, I would say take time for you individually first 
to kind of regroup and then together as a couple to regroup. Because at the end of the day, if you're the one that's being diagnosed as infertile, you need, you're trying to deal with your trauma inside, your personal trauma before you can deal with it as a couple. And I think that that's what I didn't do beforehand. I didn't know how to deal with myself and going through this personally. I was afraid. I was, I felt so defeated that I needed the couple piece first and the support first. So I would say, start with yourself first. Look for that help, that support, if you can, so that you can work with yourself first and then couples therapy and support with, you know, infertility counseling, etc. That's the first part. If you're in between and you're in the decision stage of what route you should take, do your research. It's a lot of research. So as you said, you mentioned that even though there's support now, there's not that much. And mm -hmm. that's it's very true. There is not that much, right? So I would recommend, you know, I'm glad that they're listening, first of all. Kudos to you who decided to listen to this platform. Continue listening, continue asking questions, reach out to us, right? And then continue to ask these questions in platforms you feel comfortable. Thanks, because yeah. that's going to give you a lot of edge to hold on to. If you're, you know, if you're guided by your faith, continue, you know, just holding on to that faith and building it. That was my savior. That was my survival, my faith. So holding the, onto that no matter how faint it looks, no matter how much it feels like it's dimming, holding on to your faith. And then having a clear mind, again, evaluating where you're at physically, emotionally, mentally, because all of that is a part of helping you make that decision. And basically ask yourself, you know, do you want to go through another stage, another type of journey, because each decision you make has a different journey. Mm -hmm. So you were diagnosed, you're starting to go through a journey. If you decide to adopt, that's a different journey. Yeah. If you decide to do IVF, that's a different journey because that's an elevated journey, I feel. Yeah. And then if you try to do surrogacy, all of these different ways and paths, are different journeys and you need to look at it that way. So do you have the strength and the potential to shift to that next journey? If you do, then try it. If you don't really, really think about it, because if you're already going through a depressive state and you're going into another journey, that's going to pull more energy from you, right? And so just really think about it, evaluate all your options, but evaluate it with a mindset that you're thinking about it from the physical and emotional piece, not just, oh, it's an option, right? Mm -hmm. And then if you decide to make that decision, that 
living child-free is your decision, own it. Own it. But own it knowing that you're going to build on yourself. And if other options come in the future, then you think about it. But focus on owning that you made that decision, move forward, work on yourself, and work together as a couple just making the decision that it feels good. So that's pretty much what I would say. And and overall, no matter what stage anyone is in, is learning to love yourself and learning that motherhood is more than actually having a child. Love it, everything. That That was beautiful. And I think that it will be truly, truly deeply helpful for a lot of people because all it takes is that one reminder that's given to us in love and compassion as you just did, Jacqueline. So I appreciate you for all those nuggets and bits of wisdom. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful stuff. This has been truly an amazing, amazing time, Jacqueline, and some things that I needed to be reminded of today. So I know it was really good for everyone else watching and or listening. So tell us where we can find you online and connect with you further. Yes. So everyone can find me on inspiredbyjacqueline.com. And I want to share that I also have a podcast and it's called Inspired by Jacqueline. And also I recently shared my journey in a book with an anthology book with 20 other women. And I shared my journey on infertility and the title, surprisingly enough, (laughs) um, because I'm always smiling. It's called The Cry Behind the Smile. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, you guys make sure you go and click the link so you can get a copy for yourself and you can get a little bit of wisdom and nuggets from people with different platforms and different experiences. Yes. I just want to repeat this one part that the, (laughs) with everything, I'm so like excited about sharing so many different things, but the silent cry Mm -hmm. behind the smile, I forgot that silent piece. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the silent cry behind the smile. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been a beautiful journey in sharing that and releasing it out to the world. And if it's not for you, get it for someone else, okay? Y'all go ahead and pass it on along to the next person that may need it if you're listening in support of someone else. And so thank you again, Jacqueline, just so, so much for all that you have done in the community as well as in the community of women, empowering women in general. And I look forward to getting to know you more beyond today. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate it, Monique. I, I appreciate you inviting me and allowing me to, you know, share my story and my journey on this space, your podcast. And it's funny how your first launch episode was launched on November 22nd, which is my birthday. So I'm like seeing all the connections. I'm like, I mean, it was in what, 2019 or something? Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, oh my gosh. That is so on point. Yes. I love those. Oh, I love those little moments of life. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you friends for tuning into another episode of Infertility and Me. You know where to find me and how to connect with me. Infertility and Me podcast on all platforms. 
infertility and me at outlook.com. Yeah, we'll see you and speak to you on the next episode, you guys. Have a blessed week and stay safe. Peace and blessings. Hey friend, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Infertility and Me podcast. You can connect with me and other members in the community on Instagram at Infertility and Me podcast and or watch on YouTube at Infertility and Me podcast. You can also email me at infertilityandme at outlook.com for a chance to record and help in the stigmas surrounding infertility so that we can reach more friends who may be silently suffering. Until next time.